Look, we have a lot of fun here at Remember the Game Industries. You've all heard my obnoxious, high-pitched laugh on the show. I love it. Video games are fun. The Simpsons are funny. It's good times. You know what isn't fun? Shopping for razors. And I don't mean that to sound sarcastic. It genuinely sucks. That's why you shouldn't shop for razors. You should just get them delivered by Harry's. Pick up a $3 trial set at harrys.com RTG and see what I'm talking about. I'm not going to stop beating the Harry's drum because it's a drum worth beating. The best razors on the market at better prices than the crap at the store and they're delivered to you. It's like a shaving cheat code. You've heard me say it. I have been a Harry's customer since I was driving a forklift at a company I'm not allowed to name but you all know who it is and sure my beard gets some praise now but i was a stubble guy for a long time and i still use harry's blades to keep the edges of my beard crisp so it looks like i have a jawline and if you've ever tried to shave along the edges of a beard you know that you can go through blades fast because there's a lot of weeds to whack in there but harry's blades just keep coming back for more i'm not just saying it there's so much better than the junky stuff you get at the store that means a faster cleaner shaving and two you buy less blades because they last longer the best razors for less money brought right to your door i don't know how else to say this harry's is on top for a reason the best reviews in the business customizable delivery schedules so you get them when you need them i can't see a reason not to use Harry's. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It's my retro gaming podcast where almost every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank, and thank you so much for listening. The The, the reason I said almost every week is because uh, for the first time in our 65-episode history, I am rolling solo. I do not have a guest this week, and as I've been advertising on social media and stuff, uh, I am going to review the Sega Genesis Mini, and it is going to be from the... I, I was thinking about not doing it, because I was like, I know there's a ton of Sega Mini reviews out there already. You can YouTube them. They're on all the gaming websites and stuff like that. Um, but then I thought, like, I, I want to do it. This is fun for me. And I really wanted to do a review from the perspective of somebody who's very passionate about retro gaming, but didn't grow up playing the Sega Genesis. So uh, if, if that is you, I mean, even if you did grow up playing it, if you love retro gaming, then I hope you listen to the episode. But uh, if you did not grow up with the Sega Genesis, then uh, I want you to listen to this review and hopefully I can help you decide if this thing is worth you buying or not. So I'll get into that in just a few minutes. Uh, I'm going to ramble first because God knows that you can't hear enough of my voice. I already talk alone for half an hour plus later, but I'll talk alone for a few minutes before first. Um, This is my first time going solo with the exception 
uh, on the podcast, I mean, with the exception of our Q&A rambling episodes that are available, uh, here comes the Patreon plug, at patreon.com slash rememberthegame. We just released our third one, so uh, it's $2 a month, you guys, over at our Patreon account. And again, for 2 bucks, you're going to get, you have access to all of our previous bonus episodes, which are three Q&A rambling ones, and an episode about Octopath Traveler, an episode of the show about Cuphead, and an episode of the show about The Messenger. And next month, we're going to be covering the Link's Awakening remake. Uh, I actually think these are very good quality episodes especially for two dollars they're worth they're worth two dollars for two bucks you can get a shitty cup of coffee or you can get a whole bunch more video game podcasts um and we also do the q a rambling one every month where i answer your questions some of the questions and topics i touched on in this month's episode are what super nintendo games are and aren't going to become to the snes online service uh probably and before you think well you don't know anything you're right i don't but i also predicted to the fucking almost day that Super Nintendo games were coming. I don't know a lot about a lot, but I know Super Nintendo. I know video games. I know Nintendo. And I really think I nailed some of the games that are going to be coming. Uh, I answered some questions like, what are my favorite Simpsons characters? We get into a little bit of a Simpsons rant because I adored that show. Uh, do mobile games count as real video games? You know, and uh, that Which was a very interesting question for me that I wasn't sure I could answer. And I'm still not sure I did, but I talked about it. And I answered, uh, what is my all-time dream wrestling match that never happened between two different eras? I gave three different matches. If you're a pro wrestling fan, I always talk a little pro wrestling over there. You guys know I love pro wrestling. I still have ideas for a wrestling podcast. I'm just not there yet. So again, patreon.com slash remember the game, two bucks a month. You're going to get all those. I'll give you a shout out on the show and we give away a prize every single month. So please just consider it if you can. It would really, I mean, I would be forever in your debt and i try really hard to give you guys your two dollars worth of podcasting money uh effort whatever uh you guys know i'm gonna ramble a little bit that's all my oh yeah and follow me on twitter and instagram at member the game if you want and i'll follow you back and leave us a good review and blah 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 blah, blah. there's all the plugs done um i waited to record this intro because i wanted to watch uh sony's state of play if you don't know what that is it's a lot like a nintendo direct and if you don't know what that is basically video game companies are doing this thing now where they just they announced that oh hey by the way we're gonna do uh, an online presentation they're usually like 20 30 minutes long where they just show you footage from some of their upcoming games it's almost like a mini e3 conference but instead of being at e3 in a giant like conference showroom theater or whatever they just do it online and you can just watch it and then there's tips about upcoming games and uh they're fun nintendo started it with the nintendo direct and i'll be honest this was my first state of sony's just recently started doing it with these states of play and this was the first one i've ever watched and uh it is i mean i'm not i don't care because i think this is my preferred way to get news about upcoming games and see releases and stuff but it's such a blatant nintendo direct ripoff like literally even the format is the same it's just like a scrolling screen between games where they're like what else is coming up this is also coming up um, but it's still fun to watch. Um, you guys know I don't talk a lot of PlayStation 4 on here. I do not have... I used to have a PS4. Uh, I like that system. I only sold it because I was playing too many games. And I've talked about that before. And there's something else I want to get into about that in a couple of minutes. But I watched it because I wanted to see if we were going to get any news about Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, which we didn't. Or I wanted to see if we were going to get some news about The Last of Us 2, which we did. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, the last... <clears throat> 
Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you can go watch the footage. Last of Us 2 is going to be releasing on February 21st, 2020. And the Final Fantasy VII remake is also coming out in early 2020. I don't have the exact date in front of me. And I'm telling you guys right now, those two games are probably enough to get me to go buy another PlayStation 4. I sold mine a little over a year ago. Uh, I haven't really missed it. It's a great system. I just have enough to play on my Switch and my classic consoles. But having said that, those two games... Like, Last of Us is... Last of Us and Mario Kart 8 are the two modern games that I would confidently put on my favorite games of all time list. And when I say favorite games, I mean like probably top five favorite games of all time. I fucking adore The Last of Us. And I, I, The Last of Us 2 will get me to buy a system. I, I have to play that game. I have to know what happens. So I'm really excited to get my hands on that. Um, actually, one of the notes I made here that I wanted to ask you guys is... Uh, would you get, and I'm curious legitimately in your feedback. So please leave me a comment in whatever you're watching this on or message me on a social media or whatever. Would you guys be interested in PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 games? Like I know it's a retro gaming podcast and for the most part I cap it at PS2 and the original Xbox and the GameCube. Um I don't know if we can consider PS3, Xbox 360 and Wii retro yet. Uh but would you be interested in those cuz I mean I'll I'll happily talk about some of those games on here if that's something you guys think you'd prefer or if you'd prefer that I just stick to the past past um like previous to that gen then let me know but if if those are something that you guys would be interested in then I've got a ton of those games that I would like to come on here and talk about and uh you know be it the uncharted be it last of us be it gears of war maybe halo I I'm I'm just I mean the south park games are just a few of the games that have popped in my mind from the last from that gen so uh, if you'd be interested in hearing those, please let me know, because I'm curious to see if that's something that I should be talking about. Um, the only other thing I wanted to get into before I get into the Sega Genesis Mini, and I think that this is going to turn into a smooth segue when I finish it, if I do it right, is uh, there are so many video games right now. Like, I mean, most of the people listening to this are around my age. We grew up in the 90s and stuff, in the 80s maybe, even like myself. And I know like when we had the NES and the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis and the PlayStation and the and the Nintendo 64 and stuff, like, sure, there was a lot of games. But, like, holy shit, man. Between online and indie games and all the retro consoles that are coming out and all the remakes that are releasing and, I mean, I mean the sales and, I mean, PlayStation Plus and, and, and Game Pass on the Xbox and the PlayStation... And I mean, in Steam, literally everything is always on sale on Steam. Like there's at any given moment, you could log online with one of your current consoles and buy one of thousands and thousands of games. And they could be anywhere from like a buck to like, you know, $80 full price releases. And then some of them are free. If you've got Game Pass or PlayStation Plus or anything, it's it's just like I'm not complaining because it's a great problem to have, but like it's almost overwhelming that there is so much out there to play right now. And I mean, and I've ranted about it on here before, but like a year and a half ago, I had an Xbox One, a PS4, a Nintendo Switch, a Vita, a 3DS. And and I finally sold everything except my Switch because I was like, I just can't keep up with all these games. And I don't even have a job. I'm a comedian who does a podcast. Like I've got, I mean, listen, I, I'm not trying to like downsell myself because I, I do a lot of booking and writing and on, during the day I travel a lot. It's not like I literally just sit around my house and play video games, but like I've got more time than I would say the average person does and I can't keep up with all these games, not and have some kind of social life and still exercise and go out with my friends and stuff like that. It's just, it is so insane. And I mean, just, just alone on the Switch next month in October, 
Witcher 3, Ghostbusters, the, the new ukulele, ukulele game interests me, Luigi's Mansion, Overwatch, just those games have my attention. I still have games on my wish list like Undertale and Golf Story and Bloodborne, and that's not even counting the sports games that are never ending. And then like stuff like Stardew Valley and Minecraft, and which I've decided to try to stay away from because they're just so engrossing and they never end. And I'm like, I've only got so many hours. I got to just pick something and play. It's a, it's a phenomenal time to be a gamer. But if you're someone that's obsessed with not having a backlog, this could fucking kill you, you know? So I just... Oh my God. I, I just, I just wanted to rant about that. Like there's just so many games and I don't know what to, that's why I sold all of this stuff. But then the, like stuff like last of us two and, and Final fantasy seven are going to be such monumental titles that I'm going to cave and get a second console again. Plus I've been thinking about getting a three DS again, because you can get a lot of those games for cheap now. And the three DS has a phenomenal library, you know, plus I've got an NES and SNES, a PlayStation classic, and now a Sega Genesis classic sitting here looking at me and they're full of games that I want to play. And it's, Ooh, remember when you were a kid and this is what I've tried to get back to with my gaming and it's half working and half not remember when you were a kid and you had like one game because that was the game you got for Christmas or the game you got for your birthday and then that was what you played unless you rented something for the weekend and it was just like it was just so much easier to be a gamer back then than it I mean maybe easier is not the word but like there wasn't backlogs and stuff you just played what you had and that's what I try to do now I buy a game I finish the game and then I move on to another game and even still I've got a backlog with one console and stuff it's just it's crazy my buddy Chris and I were texting about it today and he was like it must be hard being a game developer right now and sinking millions and millions of dollars into a game and then releasing it and just hoping that it stands out against all the other games that are out there. And if you happen to drop on a week against a giant release like a Pokemon or a Red Dead Redemption or a Grand Theft Auto or a Call of Duty or something, like you're fucked. And I say, yeah, it, it must be. It's got to be crazy intimidating. And I think that plays a massive role in the amount of DLC we're seeing on games now. Because more and more games are dropping DLC later on. And I think part of that is because it's a way for developers to get more money out of the games they invested so much money in developing. And I think part of it is to try to keep you from trading your game in. Because people that trade in, and I do it too, like it's fine. But people that trade in their physical games, someone else goes to EB Games and buys a used copy instead of a brand new copy. None of that money goes to the developer right? Like that money just stays in EB Games pocket. So now you've released this game and maybe three or four people have played it, uh, but you've only gotten one sale out of it. So, I mean, it's a phenomenal time to be a gamer. There's more to play than ever. I cannot even imagine the stress that must come with being a game developer right now. There's just so much out there. And so with all that said, what have I been playing this week? See, there's my transition and that's going to lead into the Sega Genesis Mini if I'm if I do this right. What have I been playing this week? Uh, primarily... Link's Awakening, the remake on my Switch. It is fucking rad. Uh, I'm not going to get into any more details than that other than to say I'm really enjoying it. And uh, it is going to be our Patreon exclusive episode for October. It is We always do a game release and then we always do a game review and then a Q&A rambling episode. The game review uh, is going to be Mark McHugh and I reviewing the Link's Awakening remake. And that uh, episode will be going live on Monday, October 7th. Uh, or no, pardon me, Monday, October 14th, because it's the second and fourth Mondays of every month. So Monday, October 14th, so it's still a few weeks away, but the deadline to get in on our prize draw is um, 
the end of September. So that's coming up in like a few days. So please get in on that if you're considering it. Patreon.com slash remember the game. There's one last plug. So I've been primarily playing the Link's Awakening remake and I've also been playing with my Sega Genesis Mini, which is what I'm going to get to right now in the review. Uh, I'm gonna, I have intentions of beating a few of these games and I'll tell you guys which ones I want to beat, which ones I'm liking, what I'm not liking. Do I like the system? Do I suggest you buy the system? I'm going to get to all of that right now by myself. I'm going to, you know what? I'm not going to cue the music this time. I was about to say, it instead of cueing the music uh the music to lead us in is going to be the ad that sega released to plug the sega genesis mini because i think this ad is fucking awesome so i'm gonna shut up cue the ad and then we're gonna review the sega genesis mini hope you guys enjoy this it's something new and uh here we go genesis 16-bit arcade graphics 16-bit action Does. 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 Golden X, Shinobi 3, Fantasy Star 4, Streets of Rage 2, Shining Force, and many more. Only with the Genesis Mini. 30 years. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Podcasting's a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day, I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad. The ugly... I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And better help is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times... It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash remember the game today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash remember the game. All right, so first and foremost, that ad is fucking awesome. So if you were like, I mean, if you were around back in the in the 90s, like during the, the major like Nintendo Sega console wars, they had an awesome spoof of an ad where it was like, uh, the, the, the girl voice would be like, Genesis does. And then they'd be like, you can't do this with Nintendo. And because uh, they obviously were, you know, trying to make themselves seem like the cool kids. And uh, that's, they just spoofed it perfectly. For the release of this thing so like even if the console sucks and it doesn't as you're about to find out uh phenomenal commercial that was great so um i'm not gonna lie to you guys on this week's episode with this review i i tried really hard like i have a screen of notes in front of me and it's like i don't want it to sound like i don't try with most of the episodes but i mean you guys anyone that's been listening to this show for any length of time knows like i don't do a lot of homework i don't have a lot of research notes i do a little bit when i need it but other than that i just want it to be like memories from when we played the games growing up and stuff like that i didn't play most of these games growing up as i probably said in the intro uh so i want to give you guys an unbiased but somewhat educated and informed opinion and review of the sega genesis mini from a super nintendo kid and that's what you're going to get today uh is this thing worth buying 
If you're a Sega fan, yes, no question to me. This, if you grew up with this, this is your Super Nintendo Classic equivalent. And uh, if you weren't a Sega fan growing up, you know what? Yes, it is still. I'm so happy with this thing, and I'm going to spend the next half hour or so explaining why. I am so over the moon with the quality of this thing. Sega killed it. They should be very proud of themselves. It's got a couple of minor things, and we'll get to that. But uh, this thing's a hundred bucks Canadian, I believe, is what it cost me and uh worth every penny as far as i'm concerned it's and we'll get to it like before i even get into what's going on under the hood uh i just want to get to the quality of the console itself and uh, oh yeah looking at my notes here i meant to bring this up uh it's kind of sad that there isn't more hype around this thing i mean when the nintendo classic came out as you all remember or as you hopefully remember like that thing was sold out everywhere I mean, people were scalping them for like triple the price. It was fucking stupid. And I mean, we all remember Nintendo was giving each store like five and it was impossible to get. And then the Super Nintendo Classic came out and it was the same thing as far as the hype. I think Nintendo did a better job of fulfilling the demand, but it was still I hyped through the fucking moon, right? Everybody was talking about it. And then everyone started releasing classic consoles. Like I'm pretty sure there's an Atari one, there's ColecoVision, there's all these different things. We all remember, and this to me is why there isn't, there's two reasons to me there's not a bigger amount of hype around the Sega Genesis Classic. And the first one is the PlayStation Classic because I really think Sony fucked it up for everybody with that piece of garbage fucking console they released. Because when they announced that PlayStation Classic, it was hot on the heels of the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo Classic. Everyone was over the moon excited. They were like, yeah, I know I was. I was like, dude, that looks fucking rad. And then they ended up putting like four games on it that actually mattered and there's a shitty interface and it was just non analog controllers and just hot garbage i don't we're not going to get into that too i mean i'm going to shit on it a few more times during this i'm sure but i feel like that thing was a big part of the reason why the i feel like the ship has sailed on classic consoles as a whole at this point i think the only ones that could really get the public talking again would be either a nintendo 64 or maybe a game boy advance classic um I, I don't know at this point. I mean, prior to the PlayStation Classic, I would have said a PS2 Classic would be a big deal. Now I'm not quite so sure about that. I'm uh, just adjusting my headphones, so I hope you guys... I hope I didn't cut out talking or anything. Um, good podcasting. Hey, Like I said, I try. I do try. Um, I, I mean, maybe a PlayStation 2 Classic would still get some hype, but I think people would be very cautious about it at this point because Sony fucked so many people over with the first one. You go to an EB Games now, and you see a fucking bin full of 40 PlayStation Classics, and they're like three pounds for a dollar to get them out of here. Um, and I do think Sega is a little bit responsible for the lack of hype around the Sega Genesis Classic, because this is their second attempt at it. Uh, if you've never seen it, there was a Sega Mini released like a year or two ago, and I, I want to say the name of the company that made it was At Games. And uh, I never played it. I looked at it several times. I've looked at it at Walmart and stuff like that. I've never bought one because the reviews are just awful. They say the input is laggy and the interface sucks and it's just not a quality item. And to Sega's credit, they obviously realized that was a fuck up and they decided to try again and they went out and got a new company to do their their um, emulation. And I admit, I'm sorry, I should have done all... I, this is why I only do some homework. I can't remember the name of the company that did the emulation for the Sega Mini now. I'm sure some of the people listening to this already know who it is. Um, but Sega really went all out on this thing and tried. And it's really too bad that it's not getting more hype. You know, I pre-ordered two, one for myself and one to give away through our Patreon draw. And uh, 
and I didn't think they were going to get here the day that it released. And I was a little bit chapped because I was like, I could have just, I literally live 10 minutes from a Best Buy and an EB Games. And I could have just driven over there and bought a play or a Sega to the two minis that I wanted because they haven't sold out everywhere. At least as of the time I'm recording this, they haven't sold out everywhere. So uh, not a lot of hype around it, which is kind of sad because this thing is absolutely top shelf quality right there with the Super Nintendo Classic, which to my, for my money is the best classic console made so far we'll see if the sega beats it when i time i'm done this but uh very high quality so sega i'm sorry you're not getting more hype on this thing you deserve it okay the actual console itself looks awesome that's the first thing i wanted to get into before i get into the hardware under the hood the mini console itself looks sick and to their credit like i have four i've got my two nintendo ones my playstation and my sega all sitting on one shelf there together all four of them look great i think all Nintendo, Sony, and Sega all did a good job replicating their mini consoles, but Sega did a better job than any of them. And with all this, just it's the little details. This thing is absolutely perfect. It's the Gen 1 Sega Genesis. Excuse me, part. I've always been a bigger fan of the Gen 2. And if you don't know, uh, the Gen 2 Sega Genesis is the one with the two oval power and reset buttons on top. It's probably the most, I would, I think it's the most commonly like it's the one most people think of when they think of the Sega Genesis, but this is the Gen 1 one, and they put so many little details on this thing. There's a little volume switch with the headphone symbol on it on the front. The volume doesn't actually go up or down, but the switch does go up or down just for the attention to detail. It's got the on-off switch. It has the reset button. It's got the light-up LED light when it's on, which the other systems have as well. Even the cartridge slot on the top is obviously too small to put a cartridge in, but it open like it, it goes in like it's a it's an actual slot that you could put your finger in or like and again like you're not gonna do anything with it but it's just it's those little minor details you know they even went as far as to put the cartridge slot on the side that you could detach and then you could like to to set up like all of the fucking monstrosities that went with the Sega Genesis because if you remember by the end of the Sega Genesis you could build like a tower because there was the Sega CD the 32X went into it you could Frankenstein that thing and they actually left the little slot that you could use to Frankenstein it available um I actually think I've seen online I don't know if you can buy it or if it was only sent out to like influencers and reviewers but you could actually get a mini like Sega CD and a 32X and a mini Sonic 2 cart cartridge that you could like build and put together to make it into a giant like a a mini version of that old you know fucking frankenstein tower of power that they made not everything turns on it's still just the basic sega genesis but again and like and that's one of those things that people make fun of sega for for all of the peripherals they made for the sega genesis and sega's still just leaning into it and being like hey we know we made all these and i think that is really fucking cool i mean when you look at the nes classic the little hatch that the that the cartridges will go into doesn't open and the Super Nintendo Classic, the eject button doesn't go down. The cartridge slot doesn't flip-flop, you know. And I, I've always hated about the Super Nintendo Classic. Uh, the front looks, it has the two controller ports like it had the original Super Nintendo, like the like six or seven dot real shape Super Nintendo controller ports, but they're all just aesthetic. You actually have to open like a little um, flap on the front of the Super Nintendo Classic, and then you plug your controllers in, which I never really cared for. I just thought it just seemed like they were trying, like, it just seemed like a hat, I don't know, it just seemed half-assed. Like we know that they're not going to use actual Super Nintendo plugs, just put the regular plugs on front, you know? Uh, the PlayStation Classic looks great, but it doesn't open. When you hit the open button, I believe you actually have to hit the open button to change discs in games where you have to change discs, but the top does open or anything um and none of those really matter at the end of the day once you put it on your shelf you're never going to play with it but just that 
Sega went to the time to put all those little things in a cartridge slot that works and all that stuff into it is fucking really, really cool. So, uh, point to Sega. That's fantastic. I think that was really, really well done. Um, I'm just making sure I go through my notes so I don't miss anything here. Uh, it also comes with two controllers, which the PlayStation did, which the Super Nintendo did. I think that a lot of people saw the backlash at Nintendo for only releasing one controller with the NES Classic, and everyone learned their lesson. So it does come with two. Uh, it is not the six button, which I'll be honest with you, and this is the first time this is going to come up during this episode of the podcast. As a non-Sega kid growing up, I don't care that it's not the six button controller. I mean, I guess if you grew up used to it, yeah, that would kind of fuck you up. Like I grew up with a PlayStation with the dual analogs on them. So I hated the fact that the PlayStation classic controllers weren't dual, dual analog. And uh, the Sega Genesis one is the original three button controller, not the six button doesn't matter to me. Apparently it only really affects a couple of games like street fighter two. I've seen a lot of people point out. Uh, and as you all may know from our previous episode about street fighter two, I don't give a fuck about that game. So, um, if you grew up with it and you like the six button controller, uh, you're not SOL, but you are going to have to shell out some extra money. I guess there, you can buy them online and they do work with the Sega Genesis classic, but, uh, the, the two that came with it, uh, are great looking, they're good controllers, but they're the three button controllers. They're also, oh yeah. And that's something else I wanted to point out. Uh, they're also USB controllers, which is fucking I know I'm going to say fuck. I can't, I don't even mean to say fuck sometimes when I say it. Uh, they're USB controllers, which I like because um, they're all, the cord is only about five feet long from each one. So for, I'll be honest with you where I play. I play my retro games up here in my podcasting room, which isn't a big bedroom. I sit at my podcast table and I have a little TV here with my retro consoles plugged in and that controller reaches me perfectly. But if you wanted to put this thing in like your living room on your big screen TV and then you're sitting, you know, 10, 12, 15 feet back on your couch, uh, you're fucked. You're, you're going to have to get an adapter. But that's where the point I was going to make, at least with it being a USB controller, it's very easy to go out. USB adapters are dirt cheap and you could get an extender and then you, it would reach. You know what I mean? Uh, Nintendo and to Sony's credit, at least the PlayStation Classic controller was also USB. Nintendo, it was like this weird I don't know if it's like a, I don't know if it's exclusive to the SNES and NES controllers, if it's like a normal thing, but it was like a weird, uh, plug. And I, I ended up ordering extenders for my controllers, but, uh, it was a bit of a pain in the ass that I couldn't just go to Best Buy and buy like a USB extender. So if you are going to buy one of these things and you're planning to sit any more than five feet away, you're going to need an extender cord or a cordless controller, like a third party one or something. But, uh, minor thing. I think it's worked great. Uh, the controller itself, I literally am holding it in my hand right now. Looks awesome. Feels awesome. Much like all the other classic consoles, they were very loyal to their uh, their subject art or whatever you want to call it. Like they're very, very traditional controller. It's got the D-pad. It's got that giant oval or that giant kind of slanty start button and then the ABC buttons. Uh, they all feel great. It feels very... I've always felt that the Sega Genesis controller feels like a toy. Um, and it's funny because Sega would always market their console as like the, as like Nintendo is the toy and we're like the cool console. But when it came to the controllers, I always felt like the super Nintendo controller, which is still my favorite controller of all time is a video game controller. It is small, compact, tight. The buttons all feel good. They're all in the right locations. Whereas the Sega Genesis controller always felt a little bit original Xbox controller to me. It feels like it's, it's, I think it's a little bit too big and a little too novelty or novel, I guess the word is for my money. Uh, but that said, it feels good. I'm really enjoying playing with it. It really does feel like a toy. Um, and that actually is making me enjoy 
playing with the system a little bit more because I'm like, this is a toy and this does feel like a toy. It feels like a novel thing that I'm really enjoying having in my hands. It feels good. And, uh, and that is going to be actually how I transition into the hardware in this thing itself. Um, absolutely my, probably my favorite thing about the Sega Genesis classic is on this controller. They didn't add any buttons, but they still found a way to let you access the fucking home menu without getting up and walking to the console and hitting reset. Like you have to with the PlayStation, the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo. All you do is hold the start button for about five seconds. And then it brings up a menu where you can save and load your save states. You've got four save states per game, which is pretty standard with a lot of these things other than the shitty PlayStation classic where you only get one. Okay, fuck that thing sucks so hard. Um, but in addition to being able to access your save and load, uh, of your save states, there is an option to go back to the menu. And that is so awesome, especially when you just fire this thing up and you're just jumping in and out of games and trying to fuck around and, you know, revisit some of the games you play. Like, I I bitched about that on the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo one. And I did see it brought up that, like, well, they didn't want to add a button. They wanted to keep the controller interface, you know, the, the same as it was. And I was like, well, why couldn't you just hit select start or something and go back to the home menu? And Sega figured it out. And not only did Sega figure it out, but they didn't even change their controller. If you want to just pause the game like you would any other time, you just hit start. And it pauses just like it would have back in 1992. The only difference now is if you hold it for five seconds, you can get into all your save and load states and you can go back to the main menu. It is the single best thing about this console and there's a lot of good things about this console but i just as soon as i saw it i was like how in the fuck did no one else think of this and i have seen reviews where people have complained about it a little bit and just said you're holding that button down for like five seconds and it doesn't really make any sounds or indicating that it's doing it until it does it and you're thinking like well maybe i didn't hold it like am i not holding the button or like what uh i haven't found it to be a problem at all i think it's just fine you know, I've been I've been playing. I'll get into the games I've been playing on it here in a minute. But I've been playing through a bunch of the games, and I've never had a problem with it. I just hold it down for four or five seconds, and then, and I'm into the menu where I can go back to the, the home screen. Godsend, Jesus! Even in te- like just to get to your save states on the other systems, you have to hit reset, and then you have to go in and then choose if you want to save your save state or anything. Why does it have to be like that? Why can't I just be sitting here, hold start, open up my save files? It just is so. Oh. Like, fucking really drives me crazy about the, all the other ones that nobody else thought of this. It's fucking, ugh, okay. Anyway, uh, so you fire this thing up and you get to the game menu. Uh, game menu, I think, is fine. Uh, it's certainly better than the PlayStation Classics boring fucking piece of crap. It looks like a prototype game menu on the PlayStation Classic. Uh, this one is fine. I, admittedly, I do think the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo menus did it better. Um... Because on the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo ones, you've got just giant box art and you just scroll left to right on like a roulette wheel and you go from game to game to game and you can see your save states underneath. Sorry, I need a drink of water. <clears throat> this is the second solo po- podcast I've recorded in three days and I haven't had a night off comedy in like two weeks. And my poor voice is taking a bit of a pounding. Uh, you guys don't care about that shit. So on the Nintendo ones, yeah, giant box art. It's very easy to roll through. Uh, the Sega one, not quite as nice as that, but certainly not nearly as ugly as the uh, as the PlayStation one. You turn it on, and it's got the Sega Genesis logo. At the t- I'm looking at it on my TV right now. The Sega Genesis logo at the top. It's like a purplish background, and then you see two rows of boxes. I believe it is uh, six boxes each, and uh, you just scroll up and down, and you can go through them. You can also turn them. To where you could just see the spines of them, which I like the concept of, um, but I wish that if you had done that, that it would have like put them all like on one 
screen. Do you know what I mean? Like you can turn the boxes sideways so you don't see the front box art. You just see the spines of the cases like you would see on a shelf, but it still leaves like a giant amount of space between each one. And if you were going to go to the spine thing, I think I would have preferred it if it had just been a longer kind of horizontal screen and it was just like pop, 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 pop. And you could go from game to game, but that's really minor. It looks fine. Um, they do a great job of being able to let you sort it which I prefer. You can't sort on any of the other classic consoles I've played with, but in this one, it gives you the option to sort the games by the genre. You can go A to Z, you can go number of players, or you can go release date. And uh, it's a minor touch. Like, I don't, I don't personally, I just sort them by A to Z because I find it the easiest way to find the game I want that way and leave it. Uh, but again, it's those little details and it's, those, it's much like the game slot on the top. It's just those little nodes, you know what I mean? That they, you can tell that they really tried with this thing. I love the customization of being able to change the order that the games are set up. Um, I, I think it would have been kind of cool if you could sort them manually if you wanted to by like picking up and dropping them in certain places. So you could put like your favorites at the top. I don't think you can do that. If you can, I didn't find a way to do it in the few days that I've been playing with this thing. Um, it also has a settings menu, which I mean, obviously has the basic stuff. Like you could go widescreen or standard. You could set it to a couple different backgrounds around the outside of the game. Uh, the coolest thing in the settings, and this is another one of the, it's something I'll never use, but I think it's a rad touch by Sega is you can change the language to a bunch of different languages. And if you switch the console to Japanese, uh, this whole, the whole screen, like the whole theme of it changes to mega drive. And the screen goes from like a purpley color to like that white and kind of blue grid background. It says mega drive at the top. You get all the Japanese box art for all these games. Um, again, I'm never going to use it, but I just, again, it's just those little details that I think is really cool. Uh, something they didn't have to put in that honestly, if I hadn't seen it in a review to try it myself, I probably never would have found because I'm never going to change the language on it. But I mean, when, when companies put in something that they know that a lot of people will never even find, I think that's a really cool thing because they're like, Hey, just so you know, like we're, we're really putting a lot of love into this. So if you own one, uh, go in and play with it for a second. Switch your language to Japanese and just have a look at the new screen. It looks really cool. Uh, just don't <laughs> remember where you had to go to get it back to English because I was a little bit worried that I was going to be fucked. Uh, but it was really easy to get it back to back to English. So that's really cool. Um, the games don't come with their manuals, which I don't believe any of the other classic consoles that I've played with have either. It's always something I've wanted to see. And I think that the Sega one would have been a really great thing uh, to be able to like hold the pause button excuse me, and the, the way you can get into the save states and go back to the home menu, I think it would have been cool if you could hold it down and then see the manual to the game, particularly for somebody like me that didn't grow up playing a lot of these games. Like, I fired up Echo the Dolphin, uh, which everyone has been talking about on the, and telling me I got to do an episode of. And uh, admittedly, before you freak out on me, I'm not going to get too into the games because I need to, I want to use the episodes on these. I'm not going to get into the specific titles, but I don't get it. You know, maybe I will. Maybe I got to spend a little bit more time with it. Um, it would have been easier to see the menu, the manual. So then I Googled where I could find the manuals for these. And Sega thought of that too. If you guys just go to manuals.sega.com, it literally is a website that is just dedicated to the manuals for every game that are is on the Sega Mini. And they're there. They're all alphabetical. You can see the PDF files of them. It's a, like you could open it on your phone. And then while you're playing, you've got the manual in front of you. Or... Um, I mean, in my case, where I play upstairs uh, in my podcast room here, I just have my MacBook on the on the desk that I'm talking on right now, and uh, I can just open a manual and just be scrolling through it. So it's really handy that I could be sitting here playing the game and have the manuals there. I would have preferred that they were actually on the Sega Mini, 
Um, but having said that, it actually maybe makes more sense to just have them available on your smart device or computer because that way you're not pausing the game, then going to the manual, then going back to the game. It'd be like when you were a kid, you just have the manual on the table beside you. And then if you need to look at it, it's right there. So again, just one more little nod to Sega that they thought of that and they got ahead of it and built a little website to contain all the manuals for you. So well done there. Uh, and with all that said, Let's get into the games a little bit. This thing has 42 games on it. And just as a comparison, the PlayStation Classic had 20. Uh, and in reality, it had like five and a half because most of the games that were on it sucked or were broken. So uh, the NES Classic had 30. The Sega Genesis, or the Sega Genesis, the Super Nintendo Classic only had 21. Uh, now, admittedly, the, set, the Super Nintendo Classic had a fucking monster lineup, but it had 21 games. Sega destroyed... All of them, 42. I don't know if that was intentional that they doubled the amount of games on the Super Nintendo or not. I don't, I have to think it kind of was, you know, just it's one more node to the Super Nintendo Sega Genesis War. I know they're buddies now and like Super Nintendo, or I mean, Sega games are on the Switch and, and on Nintendo consoles, but you're just not going to convince me that the 16-bit Sega Classic console exactly doubled the 16-bit Nintendo Classic console as far as games go. Um now here's the thing. It's got 42 games on it, but if the games aren't good, then that doesn't really matter. You could put 300 games on it. If the games suck, then who cares, right? I mean, there's <laughs> there's been people hacking. I mean, you may be, maybe you're one of them. There's been people hacking their NES Classic and putting the entire NES library on there, which is like 800 games or something. And that's cool if you want to have 800 games, but I'm telling you, like of those 800 games, there's 50 that are worth playing, you know, in my opinion. Uh, so it's, to me, it's quality, not quantity. And, uh, and this is a very tricky part of this review for me, because again, I didn't grow up with this. I grew up with Nintendo consoles. I grew up with a PlayStation. So I know what games should be on there because I played them and I know what's missing, right? When you think of the PlayStation, it's so obvious that they're, forget the fact that they're missing like the Tony Hawks and stuff like that. Where's the Crash Bandicoots? Where's the Tomb Raiders? Well, give us another Final Fantasy game, right? Like it's Spyro, like it's, they really fucked up the PlayStation, uh, and then even the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, when I think of the Super Nintendo, everyone pointed out, where's Chrono Trigger, right? And I know it's a licensing thing. I do think Nintendo did a good job of getting most of their own first party games on there. Um, but when it comes to the Sega Genesis, that's where I was going to go. I don't know what should be on it. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like it's having said that as a non Sega kid, when I think of the Sega Genesis, I think of three things above all else. What the fuck? My computer just moved. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. I just got a phone call and for some reason it showed up on my computer, on my notes. And I actually think that was about a comedy gig. I probably should have taken that, but I, you know what? I care so much about this podcast. I'm going to finish this first. Um, when I think of the Sega Genesis, I, I think of three different things. I think of Sonic the Hedgehog. I think of the Disney games and I think of sports. And I'll be honest with you right now. There is no sports on this thing. And I've seen people complaining on twitter i i mean i follow sega and stuff like that on twitter i saw them tweeting about how the sega genesis mini is out right now and people were like i'm not buying it because there's no sports like where's the nhl 94 and stuff like that the licensing and stuff that comes with that is ridiculous i don't i'm not even going to pretend to be like a patent lawyer or a lawyer for that stuff i don't know how it works but i have to assume that you need to like don't you have to get like all the players to sign off on it in addition to ea or the players association or something like that so if you 
only played sports games as a kid and that's what you're looking for, then the Sega Mini is not going to be for you because there aren't any sports games on it. It also is missing some of the big Disney games. I think when we think of those, the big two are Aladdin and Lion King. Neither of those games are on here, but they are being re-released on the current consoles as like a standalone like cartridge or disc or whatever package uh, later this month, actually, or October, I mean. Uh, so... They're not on here too, and that is a blow. And it's missing Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles, right? And I think most people... It seems like the consensus is that Sonic 2 is the best Sonic game. Uh, that's just what I understand. I'm, don't don't yell at me if you're a Sonic 3 person. I, I mean, I think they're all okay. Uh, having said that, though, I felt like that was a big... To me, that is the, the two titles that are missing off this thing that stand out to me the most are Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles. And my understanding with Sonic 3 is that there's something to do with Michael Jackson composed or helped compose some of the music for it. And so now it's like a complete nightmare trying to get that game because of the music or something. And I mean, they couldn't have included Sonic and & Knuckles without Sonic and three and may, uh, Sonic 3. And maybe Michael Jackson had something to do with the music there too. So those two are missing. Um... I don't know if that's the end of the world. I'm letting you know, but those are the ones that stand out to me that are missing. Uh, with that said, there is a lot of game here and there's a lot of cool games on here. Uh, some of the big name titles, just quickly, I'm not going to list off all 42 games. If you guys want to know all 42 games that are on this thing, uh, you can go and read it yourself online somewhere. Um, I mean, it's fucking everywhere. But having said that, some of the games that stand out to me, and in, this, in some cases that obviously Sega had to shell out some money to get their hands on because they had to get them licensed from, from third parties. Earthworm Jim, Altered Beast, Echo the Dolphin, Gunstar Heroes, Fantasy Star 4, Road Rash 2, Shinobi 3, Sonic 1 and 2, Street Fighter 2, Toe Jam and Earl, Vector Man. There's some Mickey Mouse games on here. There's a Tetris port, which if I'm not mistaken, and I might be, was designed specifically for the Sega Mini, which if that's the case is like, I'm not going to play Tetris on here. I have Tetris 99 on my Switch, which is the greatest Tetris ever. But it's still cool that they put that effort in. Sonic Spinball is on here. Shining Force. There's a Mega Man game, which I will get more into in a second. I was so... That's one of the things that put me over the edge and made me want to buy this. I didn't even know Mega Man existed for the Sega Genesis. Uh, unfortunately... I'll get more into that in a second, but still, uh, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine is on here, which is fucking awesome, by the way, if you're like Puyo Puyo, play it, there's a Contra game, there's Castlevania, they really went all out and paid some money and got some third-party titles and filled this thing with quality, this is one of the big knocks, I mean, <laughs> I don't mean to keep going back to it, but one of the big problems with the PlayStation Classic is that they didn't shell out to get enough big games, and these guys did. Sega deserves a lot of credit for this. For those games I listed that are missing, like Sports and Disney and Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles, there's a lot of meat here. Every genre, in my opinion, with the exception of sports, is covered. There's puzzle games, there's platforming, there's action, fighting, RPGs, there's shoot-em-ups, there's beat-em-ups. There's something for everybody here. No matter what your favorite genre of gaming is, you're going to find something, again, with those sports, uh, you're going to find something to play on this thing. I very much respect the effort they went into building the library for this thing. If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work gone like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but 
kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That can be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac and every 15 minutes on the clock they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If if you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a crash plan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Uh, I haven't played every game that's on it. Uh, honestly, I haven't even played most of the games that are on it. I've only had it since Thursday. And as I record this, it's Tuesday afternoon and, uh, I've been working all weekend and I've been playing through Link's Awakening and recording podcasts. So I haven't had time to play everything. Uh, but I, and I don't want to get too into my thoughts on individual games because, uh, anything that I do feel like is worth covering, we will cover in a later episode of the show. Uh, but just quickly, some of the games I have played on this thing are Sonic 2, Fantasy Star 4, Echo the Dolphin, Mega Man the Wily Wars, Castle of Illusion, Mickey Mouse, Castlevania Bloodlines, Gunstar Heroes, and Road Rash 2. Uh, and they all handled really well. There might be some incredibly minor lag from the controller input to the TV. But honestly, because I didn't grow up playing these, I don't even know. Like if you gave me a copy of Super Mario World and told me to play it and there was any essence of lag in that controller i would be able to tell you but if you didn't grow up playing these games and you weren't completely obsessed with them and you don't know them like the back of your hand i promise you you're not going to find any issues with lag and if you did grow up playing all of them you may not anyways i don't know if there is any there at all um there's a lot of stuff here they handle great uh now having said that and i had somebody ask me this on the facebook page and i'm sorry i don't remember your name uh, they said, is there enough on here to justify a purchase that differs from like the Sega Classic collections you can get on current consoles and stuff like that? And without cross-referencing the entire list of games that are on both, there are a lot of games that are on. I have the Sega Genesis Classic collection on my Switch, and now I've got the Sega Mini. There is a lot of crossover, and frankly, anything there is crossover for, I'm probably going to play on my Switch instead. It's just more practical. I can take it anywhere. It's more handheld. Much like if you've got that classic collection on your ps4 or your xbox one that's probably your preferred way to play wireless controller you don't have to deal with the you know the long short controller things and all that kind of stuff um and like i mean when i think of that like fantasy star 4 is at the top of my list that is something that i want to play uh that's a retro game and i'm just gonna play it on my switch i mean frankly the switch is practical or is the best form for rpgs anyways but uh the sonic games are on there gunstar heroes 
you know, they're, they're Fantasy Star 1, and frankly, Fantasy Star 2 is on the collections. It's not on the Sega Mini. So if if you own the Sega Genesis Classic Collection or something like that on one of your main consoles, I'm not saying don't buy the Sega Mini. I don't regret buying it, but I would cross-reference the lists and just see if there's enough different on here uh, on the Sega Mini, uh, I guess you guys can't see where I'm pointing, to see if it's worth your additional money to get a hold of those extra games, right? Because like having said that, I just made a quick list of games that jump out to me on the Sega Mini that I don't have access to on my Switch or anything. Earthworm Jim, Castlevania, Contra, Echo the Dolphin. I've heard Dynamite Heady is an awesome platformer, and that's on my attention. Road Rash 2, I fucking love me some Road Rash. We're going to be doing an episode of this podcast on Road Rash down the road. And the Mega Man Wily Wars are just a few of the games that jump out to me that are on the Sega Mini that I don't have access to anywhere else. Just quickly, uh, the Mega Man Wily Wars thing. Um, if you don't know, I'm a, I am a massive Mega Man fan, and I had never heard of this game until it got announced for the Sega Genesis Mini. Uh, it's basically like a Mario All-Stars version of Mega Man 1, 2, and 3. It's just those three games with like 16-bit graphics and like, I don't know, they seem okay. Uh, but frankly, I would rather play the original NES versions than these. But just so, just FYI, if, if the only thing that had your attention on this thing is Mega Man and you were all excited about that, you're just playing remakes of the first three Mega Man games. And that's fine, but it's not worth the $100 all by itself, so... Most of us, uh, I'm going to wrap this thing up soon. Most of us buy these classic consoles and we play them. I, I, well, I shouldn't say most of us. I know myself and I know some of my friends that have these things. We buy classic consoles. They seem great. You play with them for a couple weeks. Maybe you play through a couple of the games you grew up with and then you barely touch them again. Let's be honest, right? Like, I mean, I have the three of them, my my NES, my SNES, and my PlayStation sitting there. And other than, other than getting ready for reviews and episodes of this podcast, because I, I have hacked them, uh, I don't play with them that often frankly i should probably play with them a little bit more because it's a lot cheaper to come up here and just play my classic consoles than it is to buy a new game on one of my systems down you know or on my switch um but we don't do that and having having said all that though uh there's some really good meat on the bone here with the sega genesis mini and if you are one of those people that gets caught up in the nostalgia shells out a hundred dollars for a classic console plays with it for two weeks and then never plays it again uh then it becomes i guess a personal preference but as someone who is one of them that has the least sentimental attachment to this of the four classic consoles I own, I have no regrets in buying it. I think that the menu looks fine. I love the way it's customizable. The controller feels absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've often said on here that I wish I could go back in time and play some of my favorite Super Nintendo games uh, for the first time. Like just forget how to play Link to the Past and play it again for the first time. Because in my opinion, 16-bit is the pinnacle of retro gaming and maybe just of gaming as a whole. That is my absolute favorite era. And with the purchase of a Sega Genesis Mini, as someone that didn't grow up playing it, I really do feel like like... I, this is such a treat to me that all of a sudden I've been gifted a whole bunch of 16-bit retro video games with a retro controller that I've never played before that I can experience for the first time. And that, to me, is the selling point of the Sega Genesis Mini. I think that's phenomenal. Uh, will I play through every game on this thing? No, I won't. But I do want you guys to expect some more Sega love on the podcast in the upcoming months because I have every intention of playing through some games on this thing. I'm going to sink some time into it. Uh, I don't think I'm going to 
buy any more games from my Switch for the next couple weeks. Uh, having said that, I know in the intro I just mentioned there's like a dozen games that I'm interested in, but I think I'm going to wait for some sales. Boxing Day will be in a couple of months. I'll be getting Pokemon in November. Uh, but until then, I think once I finish Link's Awakening, uh, the remake, I'm I'm just going to dive into the Sega Genesis, I think, and really just spend some time with some of these games and get to know them and probably do some more Sega podcasts. I feel like I haven't done Sega enough gen- enough. Uh, justice on the show here i know we have some sega fans that listen uh if you're looking at the list of games on the sega mini and one jumps out to you as like a total hidden gem that i should be playing that's not like sonic or sonic 2 or echo like i know those are the ones i'm supposed to be playing uh please let me know because i'd be very interested to know if there's something in here i should be playing Uh, otherwise i'm just going to try to spend a little bit of time with all of them uh so then i guess i'll close this thing by saying should you buy a sega genesis classic uh yes if you can get past the three button controller if you can get past the short cord and if there's enough on here that you don't already have access to through a a sega package that you feel it's worth a hundred dollars but i'm telling you guys right now and i don't know what it's worth in other parts of the world but i think it's a hundred dollars here for a hundred dollars you're getting 42 games i see probably 20 plus on of the 42 that i'm legitimately excited to play and possibly try to finish and to me even if it's $20 or even if it's 20 games at a hundred bucks, that's five bucks a game. That's a good trade for me to play it with the original controller and everything. Totally fine with me. If I put my Nintendo bias and my SNES love aside, this might be the best classic console ever made. Um, I mean, I, I still think the Super Nintendo one has a little bit more heavy hitters with the Super Mario worlds and the final fantasies and, and link to the past and super Metroid and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I, I, this, the, look, the Sega classic is missing Sonic three and Sonic and knuckles. And I can't imagine a Nintendo system releasing where they're like, Oh yeah, we can't put Mario on here. Do you know what I mean? But, uh, but having said that as far as the quality build of the Sega Genesis mini, it might be tops. It is, is very well done. It's at least one A and one B with the SNES classic. Uh, plus eventually you're going to be able to hack it. So I I guarantee you're going to be able to hack it probably within the next like six weeks. So then if you want to add Sonic three knuckles, stuff like that, the old sports games, you'll be able to. So I have zero regrets buying this as someone with no sentimental attachment to it i don't think you will either i strongly recommend if you're a retro gamer and you've got a hundred bucks that you can afford to blow look into this thing you're gonna get your money's worth there's some stuff here to play and uh to score it out of 42 sega genesis mini games i will give it a 40 out of 42 it is that good i adore it and uh i hope you guys enjoyed this i'm gonna do the intro i just i'm looking for an excuse to play one more song so i will do the outro in a second um But if you guys are interested in more of these types of solo review type episodes, please let me know. And if you didn't like it, please let me know. This was 65 episodes in. This was the first time I went alone and just tried to do a serious review of something. And I would be very interested to hear your guys' feedback, okay? Thank you so much for listening. And Maybe I won't do it. No, I got to shut up. I got to do the outro. Fuck. I'll I'll go play some music and then I'll do the thanks for listening and plug the social media. So here's some music. Okay. and that's going to do it for this week's episode you guys thank you so much for listening i hope that i helped you 
decide if you were on the fence about whether or not you wanted to shell out the money for a Sega Genesis Mini. And I probably mentioned it during the review, but I'm really curious to know your feedback. If you guys enjoyed this type of episode and you want a few more like this, where it's just me giving you a review of a console or something, uh, please let me know. And if you didn't enjoy it, then please let me know that too. And I won't give you guys any more of these because I know a lot of my listeners really look forward to this, the episodes of the show. And if you guys didn't like this and I don't want to ruin your day with a crappy podcast so i'm very curious to know what your feedback was i really enjoyed doing this so i hope you guys enjoyed it as well uh if you like the show please give us a follow on twitter or instagram we're at member the game just like remember without the re i always follow back uh you can also find us at facebook.com slash remember the game and most importantly patreon.com slash remember the game i know that a lot of you are probably like me and you drag your feet on sign you're like i probably would sign up for that but then you don't want to get around to it it's really quick it's really easy it's two bucks a month you're gonna get extra podcasts shout outs and a chance to win prizes we give stuff away we literally just gave away a sega genesis mini you know and i don't have thousands and thousands of patreons so you actually have a pretty good odds of winning something too uh so please consider all that and if you like the show please leave us a good review on itunes and stuff i don't know what that does i ask every week apparently it's a big deal so please do that. And with all that said, I'll be back next week with episode 66. We're going to stay on this Sega thread for one more week, I think, before I go to something. I don't know where I'm going to go any further than that, but next week we are talking another Sega Genesis game, one of the Sega Genesis games that everybody knows and most people like, and you'll hear more about that in seven days. In the meantime, go play some video games. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again in a week, you guys. Thanks. Cheers. (laughs) 